Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations that demystify, destigmatize, and desensitize what goes on both inside the therapy room and in daily life. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Logan. And we are seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. Every week, we sit down for soul-provoking conversations with fellow seekers, thought leaders, change makers, and even real people during live coaching sessions as they navigate the hard work it takes to be a human. This is Cheaper Than Therapy. Hey, everybody. So excited to tell you some news that we have. So we've heard your feedback and (laughs) we are listening. Just know. I hope you know that. So Danae and I have done a bunch of week-long intensive retreats and we've gotten a lot of you reaching out saying, oh, so long. Can you do it shorter? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Feels like it's a lot of time to get away for some of you and we totally get that. So we've decided to do a condensed version of our retreats and we're going to bring it to you in a weekend. Yeah. You know what I love about this is we go to Idlewild, California pretty frequently and it feels like a retreat escape like into the woods and just like almost like summer camp. It's so much fun. And I love that we decided to sort of merge the work that we do in these intensive experiences with the fun that we have in Idlewild and um, just like being out in this like really beautiful setting together. Totally. So I'm actually going to invite y'all into my home and we are going (laughs) to have it at my house in my beautiful setting in Idlewild, California, July 14th through 16th. We're going to have a small number of spaces because it is going to be a more condensed version and there's less space than these giant ones that we usually do. So get on it if you're interested, but you know, you know what to expect. If you're listening to this, you know what Danae and I love to talk about. So there'll be <laughs> you all know the how good things. We do. You know how we do. <laughs> Codependency recovery, um, interdependence, shadow work. Yes. 
all the things that we love to talk about at nauseum, but we're giving you an opportunity to dive in those deep waters with us and like really get in it in a pretty condensed weekend immersive. Yeah. So if you're interested, there is a longer, more detailed explanation of what to expect uh, at the link in both of our bios, either of our bios. So get on it, y'all. It's going to sell out quick July 14th through 16th in Idlewild, California. All right, y'all. We just had the funniest conversation with somebody. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. We, <laughs> I went into this a little not knowing because, you know, sometimes like Danae will bring guests in or I'll bring guests in. Like, have you heard of this person? It's not always somebody that both of us have connected with. And um, so we have to do a little bit of research on them prior. And I was like, okay, I'm curious. And then now I'm obsessed and I wish she lived closer and she's hilarious. <laughs> we were literally things. like, no, can you come hang out with us for real though? We <laughs> were obsessed with you. She's amazing. And I love that she's so funny, but. Mm -hmm. the depth of her wisdom and clarity and the way that she speaks to things just unbelievably inspiring this woman. Totally. So we have uh, Rochelle Indra here with us today. She's a life coach and a content curator. And we talk about so many amazing things, but I, I think what you just said about how funny she is, her humor is an important component to who she is. And she talks about it too, right? Which is this idea of humor is so important in mm. the healing space, right? It's It can be so heavy and it can be constantly in the depths and it can be constantly in the space of inquir you know, inquiry. Um, but is there a way that we can do it with some level of humor? And, and you and I, Danae, had talked about before we got on how different teachers or mentors of ours have expressed similar things, right? Like I said, Jack Cornfield talks about that a lot. And, and, you know, you, you had the same, um, same kind of feedback. And I was thinking like, this woman is the complete embodiment of that. <laughs> yeah. Not only is she the embodiment of like bringing humor in, but what I love so much about her is she feels like such a beautiful integration of our leanings, right? Like, so yeah. we'll of, often talk about how we're the yin and yang, but she's like, I'm full witch. Like, I love the mysticism and all the magic and I want the neuroscience. Like, I want the like yep. actual facts behind it, which I feel like is so much of what you and I offer one another, but she brings that beautiful blend in one person. I just loved it. Yeah. I think that y'all are going to learn a lot from this one. Like definitely get a piece of paper and a pencil if you're, if you're able to, because there was even some notes that I was jotting down that I really want to take mm. away. And she does have a lot of that, that the neuroscience background and she talks about that, but also just like, she gives some really great tips and tools in this episode too. Yeah. Um, like tangible things that you can actually practice and do, which I loved. So I'm excited. I'm excited for y'all to hear this one. Yeah. She's great. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. Vanessa and I are so excited for today's guest. And Rochelle, um, I got to tell you, you're one of those people, and this is what's so great about social media is that every once in a while you'll be fed a random reel from someone and be like, oh, and yours was one of those that I like stumbled upon it. And then I went down a rabbit hole of your content and I was like, I love this woman. She is brilliant. Um, so first of all, Love your work. Thank you for being here. Yes. And um, I want to talk to you about that specific clip that I found first, because I was just talking to Vanessa about it before you hopped on. But first, I'd love if you would just tell us a little bit about you and how you came into doing the work you're doing now. Yeah, and I'm so glad I, you know, listened to you guys and and love you guys. So I know that I can because I kind of have different versions for for different people and what they're ready to hear. But I'm so glad that you guys, I can be so honest with you guys, um, and you're into you know the spiritual side of things. And um, I was a writer for years, and I wrote for comedians, and I had a good little life. And somebody said to me one day, "If life is going the way that 
you want it to, or at least you like it, you're happy, you should ask the universe what you can do for it. Mm. I was like, oh, what's kind of a cool idea? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty grateful. I'm pretty happy. No problem. And I remember in my town exactly where I was driving and I was just like, hey, universe, if you ever need anything from me, like I'm here, I'm happy to help. Mm. And the universe was like, <laughs> hold my beer. I got to talk to that bitch. (laughs) And I just remember the sensation of like the car door opening and feeling like it just pulled me out. And that old me just kept going down that road. And like the new me, the universe has looked in the face and was like, let's do this bitch. And I just, it's the only time I ever have and still have not surrendered like this before. And just was like, oh yeah, what do you need? And then just led me on this sort of rabbit hole down what I do now that I never could have anticipated and I just followed the breadcrumbs because I was so open to like, ah, what do you need? What, what, what can I do? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when usually I feel the need to control things, I feel the need to, you know, have a goal, meet things. And I just sort of stumbled along and started with having this really deep need to help get better human sexuality into classrooms and also relationship education, mm-hmm. which the Dutch teach uh, a beautiful model from five years old to 18 uh, about mm-hmm. what is relationship education. They teach you how to break up with somebody. Mm-hmm. They teach you, you know, at five years old, what the butterflies are in your tummy when you sit next to one kid versus when you sit next to another kid and don't have it. I, yeah, it is amazing. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to bring that into school systems. I worked with a, uh, a, a um, therapist who became a life coach while we worked together. And I was like, Oh my God, why the hell would you become a life coach? Oh my God, you have like a real profession. What are you doing? Why would you do that? This is so embarrassing for you. But we stuck with it. And then one day she just came and fired me. And I said, I've never been fired for anything in my life. I'm doing a great job. And she said, I know, but I think you need to become a life coach. Mm. And so I'm firing you because you are not living your life's purpose. And I told her she was crazy. Went to my therapist and was like, this bitch, you guess what she said? My therapist was like, I actually always thought the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad somebody said it. So that just sorted me down the path. And then, you know, schooling arrived and it just, it's gone from there. And, and it's helped me to stay really open in my business and what things come to me and just think, oh, okay, is this right or is this not right? Because I'm so open to it. And just like, yeah, that does feel right. No, that doesn't feel right. There's no other place in my life that I trust the universe at all. So, you know, it's not like I globally am changed. Like I'm still controlling every other aspect of my life, but this has been a journey that I'm just, okay, in in service of well, where it takes It's interesting to hear you say that because I was actually going to ask you if you could tell us more about, like, have you always been interested in this like self-development landscape or was that something that came from that kind of moment of reckoning? Like what was your kind of... um I mean, you know, we're therapists, we want to know it all, but like, what was your kind of like catalyst to even being like, oh, I'm interested in this. Or do you find that you were kind of always? Yeah, it wasn't always. My parents always joked that they weren't saving for college. They were saving for therapy, <laughs> uh, which joke slash not joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they were lovely and they were really great about, they were really into mental health themselves. They went to therapy. They got us into therapy. My brother and I, when we were young, when we needed it. And it, that's always been a touchstone. And so mm. that has always got me into thinking. And I've always championed therapy because as you guys know, therapy gets such a bad rap, mm. but I've always been somebody who's chair, uh, championed therapy to other people and really gotten into psychology classes in college. And um, I'm just always that investigator of, yeah, but why do we do this? Yeah, but why do we do that? 
yeah, but what's happening there? I have to, I have to say for the listeners, uh, you actually call yourself the fluffer for therapy, which I, yes, that just took, that just <laughs> just took everything so much. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I was like always careful how I can use that and not, but people are like, I get it. Wink, oh, wink. We get it. Um, yeah. I love it. So, but I, I feel that way. And it's one of the great things about being a life coach that I'm really proud of is that so many people come to me because they say, I will never go to therapy. Mm-hmm. I went, I had a bad experience or it scares me, but you know, I'll go to a coach. And so yeah, when I say I'm a fluffer, I get them ready. You know, I, we start and then we build that rapport, show them what it is to work one-on-one, to mm-hmm. trust somebody, maybe the most trusting relationship you've ever been in, yep. to open up what it is to explore feelings. I help clients to identify emotions. That's a big one. I love working with male clients. We don't, we don't give anybody language around emotions. We certainly don't give men you know, so like we start with, you know, I don't know how I feel. Okay. What, where, where does exist in your body? And so we go into the somatics of emotion and then, you know, often we'll dive deep enough to a point where I say, okay, so on your journey, this is as far as I can take you. Like with my staff and my, you know, uh, <laughs> big hat, and like, this is as far as I go on your journey. And then they're like, no, you can't leave me. And I'm like, I can because therapy is just exactly, you know, what we're doing with a different specialty. And you will be able to build that relationship with them as you have with me. And so moving them on to that feeling of like, oh, I understand what it's like now. I get it. I've, I have trusted before. I can trust again and then sort of move them on. And that's been so beautiful. I love, I love what you're saying so much. And I feel like I've never heard anyone speaking to what you're Great. saying in the way that you are, Rochelle. Mm-hmm. And well, first of all, I love that at that point in your life, you were describing with your therapist firing you that you sort or excuse me, your coach firing you that you had like a squad of people. I certainly have a squad of like a therapist, a mentor, a coach, like people that, um, you know, I, I think we get different things from different relationships and there's so much in more of like the clinical models of psychology that say like, nope, you should be working with an analyst and you should be going a couple times a week and that should be like what you're doing. Um, and I think there's a way that what you're speaking to is not only, an entryway to those who might be a little bit resistant to doing this type of work, but also a way of decolonizing some of these mental health ways of exploring what's happening for us. And I just think it's so important that we say different people come from different backgrounds and require different types of support. And I think we're living in a time where we're really starting to open up to that idea more. Yeah. And it's, it's been, I was so excited when you guys asked me on this podcast, because I am somebody who, um, surrounds myself with therapist friends. I tend to date therapists. Talk about cheaper than therapy, dating therapists. Um, I don't recommend it, but um, <laughs> keep learning that lesson over and over the hard way. Um, but I get these great conversations with therapists about the difference between life coaching and therapy. And, and a lot of therapists, no, I'm not gonna say a lot. Several therapists in my life are very supportive of life coaching, but a lot of therapists hate life coaches for very good reason. And one of the reasons I was so excited for us to get to have a discussion about the issues with life coaching, which I don't think we're talking enough about in in society and the really scary things that can come from an unregulated field, but also the really special and beautiful things that can come from life coaches versus therapists. And so I was really excited for us to have that discussion and you know, I, w- I was really grateful that Psychology Today did a great article a while ago on, okay, therapists, I know everybody seems to hate life coaches, but if 80% of the work 
we do as therapists is about building that relationship, then why couldn't a life coach build that same relationship mm-hmm. of trust That's and right. openness and vulnerability? Um, so we need a place, I think, for both, especially because as you guys understand, therapists are booked mm-hmm. wonderfully. I mean, this yeah. is so great. But, you know, I talk to my therapist friends and they're like, oh, yeah, there's this patient, there's a person who's suicidal. I can't get them in because I have such a full load. Or this person is really struggling. I can't get them in um, because I have these other ones. And I see the place is that sort of the the mental mental health being sort of moved into um, some life coaching versus like mental illness versus, you know, so we sort of triage, oh, hey, are you looking at, you know, I mean, I always say I deal with the, you know, existential crisis. What's my purpose? Why am I here? You know, what, what I have a value, religious issues, things like that. Um, what I want to get out of life are really great things for a life coach. But then I send, you know, uh, OCD, uh, eating disorders, uh, you know, severe depression. I start sending those things, trauma to therapists. And if we can start sending those back and forth, I think we're going to get more people the help that they really need. Couldn't agree more. Love it. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And, and so if I'm someone listening to you and I'm thinking, how do I know what are some of the challenges I should look for in terms of a life coach or um, not even just a life coach, but someone who is a person who would be good to work for? What do you think are some of the characteristics that can be challenging in really either capacity or either field? Uh, Can you explain what you mean a little bit more by that? Yeah. Like if, so let's say I'm like, yeah, what Rochelle's saying makes a ton of sense. Like how do I know where to get started in finding a life life coach? And a little bit, the reason I say this is the reason I say either capacity is I love what you're saying. And I think what I've seen a lot of is as much as I love that we're having more conversations and, you know, talking about mental health and um, normalizing people with um, a background in therapy or coaching, being on social media and all those things. What I am seeing is a, a lot of like what's happening for my ego and my ability to be a star is really sort of like what is the focus versus, um, I don't know, like this this call to do this work and be of support of people. And I know it's not black and white. And I know that, you know, we're all complicated in that way. But I think that it can sometimes be challenging when it's like, someone is a life coach, but they have like 500,000 followers on Instagram. And sometimes like, I'll be like looking at some of the content and I'm like, you know, and so I guess that's where my question is stemming from, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, the thing is, is that we are not informing people enough about life coaches and life coaching. Um, I know that I'll get clients that will interchangeably say to somebody, oh yeah, I'm seeing this wonderful therapist. Her name is Rochelle. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I am very clear that I am not a therapist. I am not your therapist. I'm a life coach. Those are very different. And that's really important to me. In my comments, um, if anybody says, oh, well, you know, therapy, I'm like, no, 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 no. That's why it's Coach Rochelle Indra is my handle. I never want someone to think I'm a therapist because mm-hmm. it's so important that we educate people on the difference. Though I will say somebody once um, 
in my comments call, said that uh, life coaches are Walmart therapists. And I loved that so much. I want that on my business card. I want that on my business. I don't have business cards, but when I get them, I'm putting that on my business card. It was like, that was like, thank you, sir. I will tattoo that on my soul. Thank you. That was amazing. Um, this just so we know the difference really. Um, but I think that we need to really, that people need to do their research before mm -hmm. choosing really a therapist or a life coach. I mean, I'm the yes. first one. I tell my clients if they choose to stay with me and go to therapy, there's a lot of horrible therapists out totally. there. Yeah. I mean, horrible. It's real. And I'm the first one to call them out because they're so dangerous and hurting people. But I say, you know, give give that person, you know, three opportunities, you know, before you really decide they're not right for you and, and try somebody new. Um, but I think people sort of blindly go to coaches without ever doing research. Did they go to schooling? Was it a weekend course? Yeah. Exactly. You know, um, what, you know, are they certified? The problem is life coaching is completely the wild, wild west. It's totally unregulated. Anybody can call themselves a life coach, which is yep. so damaging. And we need licensing and we need schooling that, that they need to go to. I mean, there, it has to be credentialed. It's, we need all the things that we need for therapists for life coaches. And I think sadly, a lot of people are attracted to life coaching because you've could just hang your sign and say you are, and you can charge whatever you want, and you can do it from anywhere in the world, and you know, and you don't have the restrictions that therapists have. My business partner is going to school to be um, to be a therapist, and we're starting to notice, ooh, once she gets her license, what she can do in our business is going to change. Yep. Which I also think we need to remodel uh, therapy totally. and what therapists are going through because this is I'm starting to realize how narrow her field is going to be once she gets her license. And, and that's, unfortunately, we're having a lot of really great therapists leaving that profession yeah. to become coaches, which is, I mean, no shame in their game. I know a lot of wonderful ones and I see exactly why they do it. But if the therapist or the organization that's looking at therapists really wants to keep therapists, you got to change the game. Yeah. Because a lot of are leaving. The problem is though, is that like they, you know, it's state by state. Right. And mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know other states, but I know in California, like our board is literally, have you ever seen that animated movie Zootopia? Do you ever yes. watch that movie? Okay. Do you know the part where they go to the DMV? And it's the sloth. Yes, I also lived in California and I know the DMV. So yeah. they're sitting behind anybody who's – if you have not watched this movie, that that scene is like the fucking funniest thing. And they're like, it's sloths right in the DMV. That is what I picture whenever I picture the people yeah. sitting in the board here in Sacramento is that scene yeah. from Zootopia. It's literally like three old ladies sitting behind like an old school green Macintosh computer printing things out like manually. And it's like the most antiquated fucking system. Yeah. And you're like, come on, man. So I, I like could not agree more. There just needs to be so much updating and change like across both systems. And I agree with you on, yeah. on some kind of regulation. I mean, I know there's probably a lot of argument against what you're saying around regulating coaching. Um, but I have worked with clients who there has been damage done by people who have just hung their yes. sign and said, I am this or said, I am that, you know, I think especially sometimes too, in the realm of like, and it's not just this, I'm not calling this out, but I've had clients come to me who have worked with air quote coaches who pushed mm -hmm. them to do certain psychedelic journeys, for example, and they're mm -hmm. not qualified to kind of sit with them on the journey, help them integrate post journey mm -hmm. and, and actually have done far more damage than good. And now I'm almost left to like, 
attempt to pick up pieces and put things together that should never have been broken apart. Right. Um, and so I, I think you're totally right. Like there has been some damage and, and I think a lot of us are out there trying to figure out what does that look like for all of us to join hands and say, how do we make this as uh, healing as possible and as best as possible for people. And accessible. Yeah. And accessible. And, and accessible. And that is one of the reasons why I do love being able to get online and have a large social media following because that way I can give things away from for free, right? I can tier. Yes, working one-on-one with me is very expensive, but then you get the tier of, you know, I do group coaching yep. for way cheaper. Then I can do, you know, you can get free stuff from me. You know, sometimes people will see my price and go, oh my gosh, how can you charge that much? I'm like, because I give, I have 1,200 videos for free mm-hmm. online because I do a podcast because you can work with me at different tiers and still get some benefits. So access to mental health is my everything. I mean, that my whole purpose for this lifetime is to help champion that. And I'm, you know, I'll just say, because I'm confrontational like that, whoever says that life coaching doesn't need to be regulated is wrong Mm -hmm. because as a life coach, I watch the automatic trust that people have in me. Um, I live in a small town and I could go and tell everybody's business to everybody if I wanted, because there is no, I mean, I was taught when I went to coaching school to be ethical and and I follow all the same ethics as therapists, but that is my choice. I mean, anybody could go and tell any of your business. So anybody who doesn't think that it needs to be regulated and you can do major, major damage, you know, getting in over your head. I'm very clear. And I work with my mentors who are coaches who used to be therapists about exactly knowing and taking classes on where are my boundaries? Where is the safe place for me to do my work before I move them over into the work that needs to be done with a therapist? Where is the safe boundaries? And and I mean, not everybody's doing that. And I would say not most are doing that. So we absolutely need to be regulated. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's tough. And I really love what you started off with about talking about really, um, talking to people about how to use discernment, how to really tap into like when something doesn't feel good to you or true, slow down, take your time before you jump into something someone else is telling you that doesn't resonate as truth for you. Um, I was having this conversation this weekend with someone about how this is weird, but like with cult leaders, normally like 90 something percent of what cult leaders start off saying is like actually really brilliant and compelling. And that is why they draw so many people and true why they draw like really intelligent people that, Mm -hmm. you know, they're like, how did this person get caught up in this? And it's just like this 10% that starts to trickle in once I've really built this relationship and this trust with this person that everything takes a turn. And I just think it's important because no matter what, there will always be compelling people that are able to draw people in, even if it's not called a coach or a therapist or whatever. Um, and I think so much of what Vanessa and I talk about a lot is how we're moving into a time where the inner authority needs to be where we move from first versus mm-hmm. feeling like some externalized power is able to tell us our truth. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. In fact, my my podcast I did this week was, are you allowing yourself to be a shithead of saying, <laughs> Okay, I'm a life coach and I make my living off of people doing, you know, their inner work, but take breaks, Mm. take breaks, stop going to retreat sometimes, turn off my podcast sometimes, stop, 
you know, buying the books because it's not the next book. You know, people yeah. go, what book should I get on this? And I was like, well, maybe we should talk about it before you look to more books on yeah. this, more retreats on this. And I say that as somebody who's writing a book, does retreats, has a podcast. Mm -hmm. um, we also, I think what you said leads really into the important thing of, um, I have 350,000 followers on social media. So at this point, when I get a new client, I often get them saying, Oh my God, I watched all your videos. I'm so excited to be meeting you. Oh my God, I'm so nervous. It's very sweet, but that gets really dangerous. And then I, and then I just move them over into my cult, which is $4.99 a month. So, um, it works out <laughs> perfect, but, um, <laughs> um, yeah, the weird system and, you know, the more you pray, the higher up you get, you know, it's a whole thing, but, um, <laughs> but I have to be really careful to say, Whoa, let's bring it down. I'm just thinking pyramid schemes. Really like, are you selling Mary Kay? Like, that's kind of what I was going on. Uh, he's like, yes, 100%. Scientology is going through the whole thing. Absolutely. <laughs> so I have to be really careful with mm -hmm. when we have watched somebody on social media so much. We think they're a celebrity, right? Yes. And so when people come, they're so willing to listen to everything I say versus when you just meet a new therapist and you're like, I don't know about this, this person, person, this rando. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, oh, no, they, you know, like, I know you. And so I have to really make sure that I'm always saying, this is my thought. This is my philosophy. This is my opinion. What do you feel like? What do you think for you? And that I'm not putting my thoughts and opinions on people. And this is something that I think we have a problem. I had a client come and said, oh, I went to this. Um, I think she's sort of a life coach, but she's really famous online. And going, mm, what's the background? What's the schooling? Because just because somebody performs really well That's and has right. cool things to say doesn't mean they're ready for your trauma. Doesn't That's mean they're ready to have that one-on-one -on -one discussion just because they've got great ideas and they can sit in their backyard and say them. Speak yeah. on it, Rochelle. Yeah. Right? Totally. So yeah. that's the really scary place that we get to. And, and I've seen a lot of trauma around around that, around people going to people they see out see online. And I say that as somebody who's big online, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I feel like I need to be the one talking about this because, you know, I've got skin in the game. So let's mm. do this. And that's another reason why I think these things need to be more regulated. And, you know, at some point I would love to see Instagram and TikTok, you know, now we have verified, but are you verified in this profession? Yeah. Hmm. Well now right? like it's we not even on. verified because now even on Instagram you can pay to have a blue check. That's gone away. Yep. So nobody's yeah. verified anymore on any of the accounts, which is our platforms, which is yeah. that in and of itself. I'm like, oh, I get people all the time where I'm like, what's this blue check? And I'm like, oh, you paid for that. <laughs> I can tell. Yeah. Um, I'd love to switch gears for a second, Michelle, and talk yeah. a little bit about neuro-linguistic programming because you talk about that mm -hmm. specifically on your site. And I think that um, our listeners would probably benefit from understanding more what that is because I don't know that Danae and I have actually ever talked about that. And I guess kind of like, mm. what is it and how do you use it in your work? And I guess how would somebody know if that um, type of modality is something that they should look into or would be helpful to them? Yeah. So, um, so neuro-linguistic program obviously um, is, is really fascinating, but I think the one that you, what you're talking about is, um, is the slightly different one I did on the reticular activating system mm -hmm. in the back of your brain. I think it was that. So that's a little bit different. And so that one, yeah, that video just exploded overnight with like 8 million views, I think, because people were like, oh my God, you're finally explaining the thing that I thought or explaining the science, the neuroscience behind manifestation. And mm -hmm. it is this um, spot in the back of your brain that um, 
that chooses what goes into your brain. So like, right. So um, you have millions and millions of things coming into your brain all at once, sensations, thoughts, feelings, right? Everything that's happening in your body and your brain has to triage that, Mm -hmm. what is coming into your brain. And so it chooses what you think about and what goes into your, into your conscious brain based on what you tell it to. So for instance, I was walking with a friend who's an interior designer the other day through a hallway and we're chatting, we're chatting, we get to the end of the hallway and she's like, wasn't that a phenomenal blue in that hallway? And I was like, were we even in a hallway? Like I didn't even know what we were doing. But because her brain is so tuned on color, Mm. it's it when that information so my brain brought in the information that we were in a blue hallway and it said uh, blue hallways mean nothing to us so yeah. i'm going to throw that information away but for her blue is a really important thing so she thinks about it this is why when you uh think i'm fat and then it feels like everybody is saying a little something it's a dig on what you look like because your brain is looking for it yeah. because that's what you focus on and if you do it day after day after day then eventually it's just your emotional home. It's just mm-hmm. with what it already knows. And it's, and it's sort of, um, I always say it's like a honey pot in the back of your brain and all the information is coming in and it's tainted with that. So if you are somebody who thinks negative thoughts all the time, then everything that's coming into your brain is tainted with that negativity or that fear or with you, what you guys look at trauma, right? So coming in with that hyper reactivity about everything. Because mm-hmm. it's what they've been focusing on. So the thing to do with the first thing in the morning is to decide what you want to think about, what you want to focus on for the day. Writing mm-hmm. it down is really great. But that first thing, what do I want to focus on today? And then the more you can remind your brain, your reticular activating system throughout the day, this is what I want to focus on. It will keep noticing that. So, you know, if you're talking money, I want money in my life. It's going to, your brain's going to start noticing the four cents on the floor, the dollar in your pocket, you know, the ways you can make money, things like that. And so it's the sort of the science behind manifesting. I love what you're saying so much, Rochelle, because I feel like what you're saying and what people like Dr. Joe Dispenza are saying from my perspective, yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. are often another buffer to offer people a bridge to what are these universal laws and, you know, law of attraction and these universal truths that I, I think sitting with people and realizing so much of the suffering is coming from the story I'm telling myself about what this is. And a lot of it's arguable. A lot of the way that I'm interpreting this is certainly could be true, but something else could be true. And one thought makes me feel really defeated. I mean, another thought makes me feel a little bit more empowered, but we have the ability to um, to challenge the thoughts, to be in the inquiry. And I think a lot of times people experience those universal laws or law of attraction is like, no, you're just like denying reality. And it's like, no, it's actually making a conscious decision to be in relationship with what I'm focusing on is what I hear you saying. Yes. And the video I did, um, you know, after that, like two videos after that, which was really important to put out there as well, is that this is not toxic positivity. Mm-hmm. You have to be so careful to not get into toxic positivity. I think it's an important thing for us to bring up, which is yes, focusing on the positive is great, but you also need to process the negative when it comes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, focusing on, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to think, you know, positive thoughts about the situation, but oh my gosh, I, now I'm, you know, oh, those feelings are coming up about my divorce or about, you know, I had a dog that passed away. And so I'm always dealing with that grief and 
so toxic positivity is like, you know what? I'm not going to think about that grief and the sadness. I'm just going to, po- you know, think about how wonderful my dog was. No, 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 no. You have to, when I feel that pain come up, okay, this is my body saying, I need to grieve this. And I, I think wonderful, positive things about my dog in this moment, I need to grieve this mm-hmm. loss. So making sure that when those bad experiences come up or emotions that we feel them and we process them. And then when that's fully processed, then I go back to thinking about the positive. What do you think though about people? Because we've had this conversation a couple of times and I, I have friends like this too, where they get stuck in that though. They get stuck in, you know, we in which one? In the negative. Like we we actually had Danielle Laporte mm-hmm. on a while ago and we were talking about this concept of people being addicted to their trauma, right? Like actually coming from a oh, place yeah. of like it colors everything I do, it color colors everything I say, you know. And and so it's like, what's that fine line? Or like, are you able to articulate what that fine line is of like allowing it to come up and feeling it in order to process, right? And integrate it. Um, because I always say it's like that's how you move through something. It's not about getting over air quotes, it's about moving yeah. through an integration. But then what's the fine line of like, okay, but now I feel like I'm just in that all the time, right? Yeah, absolutely. So what I do when I, when I have clients who are experiencing that, um, it's about tools. What tools? So I work with a client and say, um, which, pause, when I sat, first sat down with you guys, all of a sudden I thought, what if I'm being punked by my business partner who set this up with you guys? And this is actually going to be a therapy session to like work on my mom issues and <laughs> not an interview sure. at all. I mean, I we could. You have your mom here. Happily. It's just like that thought came back of um, my mom in the background going, hey guys, let's talk about when she was 12. Um, <laughs> so when I, when I sit with clients who are, are going through something is what are the tools you need to help process that. Mm-hmm. So for me, just staying with this uh, dog example and grief, right? I love grief because we don't talk about it enough in our society. Mm-hmm. And so it's something I talk about a lot. My dog's been dead a year and a half. And I talk about it every time it comes up with people because we assume people should just get over things. Mm-hmm. I had a friend lost a child and three mm-hmm. years later, she was crying about it. And someone's like, you're not over that yet. Oh my what? God. I that will is not a never Ooh. be over that. Right. No. So we don't talk enough about grief. So I, I bring it up a lot. And because it does, it, it comes up a lot. And so I know when I sit and do my work, okay, when my grief comes up, I need to let myself cry. I need a big cry. I go to my bathtub. My bathtub is like the place. Um, and I love neuroscience. If you have a place where you need to experience emotion, you can make it a physical place so that your body can get right into it when it's there. Mm. So if I have someone who's in extreme grief, you have a chair for grief. And you sit there and you cry it out as much as you need when you get out of the chair, you're done. And if you have to go back to the chair, that's okay. But I'm going to experience it in the chair. So I go to the bathtub and I cry or I journal about it or I call my best friend who's super good about listening to stories about him. Mm-hmm. And those are my tools. And then when I've used my tools, then I move on. And I think the problem is we don't give people enough tools. Mm-hmm. So they, it's this sort of, I always say it's a cloud, right? It's this like, yeah huge amalgam of like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with this. So it's easy to stay in it when you don't have tools to help mm. you through it. I love that. Can we stay on your mom for just a second? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not you know what the relationship was between the two of you. I'm joking. But <laughs> the first video that I found of yours that I was so um, struck by, actually, you were telling a story of when you had gone through a breakup, I believe in your early 20s, and you were about to move in with a girlfriend. 
and your brilliant mother suggested to you live alone because if you live alone and don't move in with a girlfriend, you will always know that you can and it will impact the choices that you make moving forward. And Rochelle like stopped me in my tracks when I saw that because I just believe so strongly that we as women, especially a lot of times are not conditioned to know how to do that to like, I know I was in a marriage for many, many years because I was afraid of being alone and my ability to do it by myself. And I just thought, Oh my God, her mother, the wisdom of telling you that at that actual like time in your life though, I think was so important. Um, and I'd love if you would share a little bit. Yeah. Um, and the, the great thing of um, my mother's not on social media. So she does <laughs> love to, whenever I see her to be like, how many millions of people have seen my video now? <laughs> it was a good like, one, mom. I'm like, mom, it's like four and a half. And she'll be like, you should put it up again and see if you get another million. You know, just because what I said was really, so she <laughs> loves this. I'm like, That's mom, amazing. you said two good things in my whole life. Okay. Get a handle on yourself. But, um, no, and that, that has been for me a fundamental thing, especially in my 20s, because we sell women that in their 20s, they're going to live with girlfriends, they're going to have a great time, then they're going to meet Prince Charming, mm-hmm. and then they will be in that relationship for the rest of their life. Yes. And we, do, we, we sell that. And I, as somebody who is divorced, I have now lived alone um, for almost 10 years. I haven't been in a serious relationship in seven, eight years not how I thought I would spend most of my thirties, but I'm so grateful that I have not settled for relationships that aren't right for me, that I have not allowed people to move in because of this thing my mom said. And, um, and I, and she, you know, says you may get divorced. Your husband may die. You may never get married. There are so many places and that video is done so well and spoken to so many people because Everybody says, oh my God, I wish my mom had said that. I wish I had known. And I have clients all the time and I see people on social media because a lot of the work I do because I'm not married and I don't have children, a lot of what I do is championing that those choices because I feel like that's not talked about enough. Mm-hmm. We are still selling women that that your value is to be a wife and mother. And that is a beautiful, valid choice. But there's another choice that's just as beautiful and special and valid. If it's and your so choice. I, <laughs> if it's your choice. Yes. It's, right. If it's your choice, right? So I'm very careful that I hashtag, um, uh, child, you know, child free, not childless. Like we've yes. got some good words around this that I champion this for the people that it's right for mm. and to never, you know, downplay the people that struggle. I do when I was married, I struggled with, uh, pregnancy and not being able to get pregnant and miscarriage and medically necessary abortion. And I've had to go through all these things. So I understand that path and some of those, People end up having children they really want, and some aren't able, and adoption isn't right for them. So come watch some of my videos and know that you can still have a beautiful, special life without that. And that video gets so many people who say, I wish my mother had said that to me because I wouldn't have stayed in a marriage for 40 years. I wouldn't have, you know, let men move in with me who are horrible people, or I can't leave my relationship because I'm so terrified to be alone. Or adult parents who move in with their children, their adult children. Um, or don't let their adult children leave because they mm-hmm. don't want to be alone and they're divorced. So we have this horrible, uh, we still in society are selling this horrible story about how awful it is to be alone or live alone. And it's really not. I leave in two weeks for a, so my solo trip to Europe for three months. And, you know, women all the time are like, what? Aren't you terrified? You know, but you're That's just amazing. alone with yourself. I'm like, yeah, 
it's wonderful. I'm, all my friends with children are like, that's amazing, actually. Yeah. I'm coming with you. Um, <laughs> that sounds wonderful. But there's still so much stigma around, well, I couldn't do that. You know, I couldn't be by myself. I think that's one of the things I really work on with clients is, you know, looking at the monsters under our bed that make us afraid to look at ourselves and, and really see who we are. I'm always like, well, and my clients know. I'm like, they're like, well, I don't know if I'm really, I don't know this thing. And I haven't looked at it. And I'm like, cool. And I need to get myself an actual headlamp because I put on my fake headlamp for my clients. I'm like, well, let's go into your bed. Ooh, little cobweb, <laughs> hey, bunnies. Ooh, this thing is vibrating. Okay. Move that away. And, um, you know, let's go and look at the things under your bed because they're usually not as scary as you think you are. Even when they are really scary, they're still usually not as scary as we think they are. And the really scary ones, we can get help with to make them less scary. But that's what's preventing us from seeing who we really are. And that's a shame because then we can't be by ourselves. And especially as women, we need to teach that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love so much of what you're saying. I love thinking about it as you know, we have to confront these shadow elements of what is underneath the bed that we're afraid to look at. Because if we're not, then it has power over us, right? But if we're in relationship to it, then we actually get to make a conscious choice. And then we are choosing this relationship because this is what I know that I want for my life or this path of motherhood. Um, I love that you, another video, you were like, motherhood is literally the one decision that you cannot take back or that you can't change. Every other decision you can like course correct, make a U-turn, except yep. for that one. And it's so yeah. real. And that was a friend when I was deciding at the very, you know, going, okay, am I going to do this? Am I, I'm getting older. I'm going to make the decision. Am I going to have children or not? And it was a friend of mine who has children. And she said that. She said, it is the one decision you can't take back. Like, you can get out of prison, mm-hmm. but you can't get out of being a parent. And I just realized that for me, I didn't want any, you know, I've been in bad relationships and so grateful to get out of them that I just said, you know, I don't want to be in anything that I can't get out of. Yeah. Um, I just and, and then I get the people. Go ahead. I was, then I get the pushback from people like, you'd never want to get out of being a mother. And that is simply not true. That's there are millions and millions, and millions of women out there that are so unhappy, love their children, but so unhappy yeah. to be mothers. And I, when I became a life coach, I thought, well, women who have children will never want to work with me because I don't have children. I don't have that experience. Even though, as you guys know, as therapists, we don't have the experiences that our clients go through. doesn't mean we can't work with them. But I thought, no, mothers are going to work with me. Mothers desperately wanted to work with me, and I worked exclusively almost with mothers for a while because they felt like they could say to me how much they hated being a mom, yes. and they couldn't say that to other moms. And that also needs to change in society. I think Danae and I have talked about that so often that it's like it, it almost makes me laugh because we're so open about being like this has nothing to do with my love for my child. Like I can separate out those those thoughts and realities. Like I love my child and I don't love the process of parenting, right? And they are different. And also we have to be able to ask why. Like if we don't even admit that, then we can't ask the question of why, which then leads us to society and our lack of support for parenting. And like, then you get yes. down this rabbit hole. But I think because we, and I, and I think it's constructed this way for a reason, if we keep that mm-hmm. shame there where we can't ever actually be honest and ask those questions, then we'll never get to the deeper root of what needs to change so that that isn't my reality, right? And so let's just keep yeah. everybody quiet and in a place of shame so that that conversation never gets had right? It's even the conversation around making a choice to be a parent or making a choice to be in a partnership. As long as we continue to make women believe that it's scary to be alone and that they're less than to be alone, then they're not even going to question it because that fear is going to overtake any of their kind of cognitive functioning around like, but who is, 
messaging is that? Is that my belief? Is that yeah. their belief? We don't even go there. Yeah. I love talking about, I, I talk about this often, the whole concept of a crazy cat lady. Mm -hmm. And I love that because that is so beautifully <laughs> the patriarch. <laughs> oh, um, like, but that's what they come with in the comments. You're just a crazy cat lady living alone. I'm like, yes, I am. And I love it. Thank you <laughs> so much. Oh my God, bring on the cats. But I just love that the patriarchy that says, um, you know, how wrong that is. And I thought, and it dawned on me one day, I thought, wow, these are women since the beginning of time that said, I can find love, compassion, the ability to nurture, to have unconditional love in my life without mm. having a man. That's right. And that is so terrifying to the patriarchy that we had to call them crazy cat ladies. And I just was like, wow, no wonder people didn't want to get divorced or not marry. I mean, you were a spinster at like 23 originally, if you weren't married. I mean, these were all these just horrific, horrific things that we've sold women and we continue to sell women. So, and so many women will come to me and say, God, I, I wish that I had known there was an option to not have children or to not be married. Um, and so, you know, they'll look at my life and got to say, God, I, I wish I had known. And mm -hmm. so I say, well, that's what we need to do. We need to get women younger and say, hey, here's all the options mm -hmm. on how you can live your life. None is better than the other, but no, you have all these options. And by the way, hope yeah. is not lost. If you did make that choice, <laughs> like yes, there are absolutely. still ways that we can fix this system so that people who, let's yes. say, have children can still go on solo European trips as they should yes. be able to, Right. Because being a mother should not cut off your ability to do the things that fill you up and have you living a passionate life. But we have also, as a society, set it up so that becoming a mother then cuts you off from ever having a life, right? Um, Absolutely. And that is bullshit. And that, again, that's systemic. Yes. And it is that, that, that thing that we're subliminally taught by society that you should give everything to your children. Uh -huh. Yeah. Right. So that's like, okay, so you become a mother and then it's like, no, you have to give everything. And if you have anything left over, you should give it to your partner. Mm -hmm. Right. So then we lose, you know, that just a whole women alone in a house raising children. Like that was never, ever supposed to be like that. And so really also getting together more support in community. And I mean, every time I have a friend say something like, Oh, have you seen how Cheryl raises her kids? And I always say, and I love that for her. Yep. That's and right. I love that for her. Like I cut them off immediately yep. and I love that. We're not for her. doing that. We're not doing that. Mm -mm. We're not shaming each other on it. So I will catch people on anytime someone's like, Oh, and did you see? And I have to catch myself sometimes because sometimes I'm a horrible judgmental bitch too. So I have to catch myself when I'm like, Oh, <laughs> did you see? And I love that for her, Rochelle. And I love that for her. I love. Yep. Oh my gosh. I, you like literally, you're, you're our people, Rochelle, because I think we often speak to the fact that we as women are some of the most fierce defenders of patriarchy. And we do it when we attack women for not making the choices that we would make or shaming our bodies or like, or making the choice that we wish we had made, but we're too scared yeah. to admit that we're actually a little jealous of them. And that's why we're actually judging and attacking them. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. The other thing that I always do is I compliment women when I think a, a nice thing about how they look. A stranger on the street, I always tell them because I one time was across the street from a woman. She was just staring at me and I went to all the bad places of like, how fat do I look? How ugly do I look? How stupid do I look? I don't have the right color. I mean, I just, I went to like all the dark places. And then as we crossed the street, she goes, I love your jumper. And yeah. I just, like it made me cry because I just thought the how grateful I was that she took the time 
to say that because I would have spent the rest of my day ripping myself apart because of how that woman looked at me. And it turned out she was just staring at like, I love your jumper. My three-year-old little Piscean angel of a daughter oh. is like, she, her mission in life is to make sure every woman she sees knows how much she likes whatever component. <laughs> like, I mean, this I is the like, Pisces thing because I'm a Pisces. Are you? It's well, it's like visual, fashion, like, fashion, like colors, design, but she's like, I love your shoes. I love your purse. Like random people on the street. I love your hair. I love your lipstick. I mean, it's so specific. And I laugh every time because every time she does it, these women will be like, oh, and they're so like, oh, thank you. And she's three. You know, they're so like flattered. It's so funny. And it's a dopamine hit, right? Like yeah. I, when I, I do this all the time and like I'll have partners, you know, I'll be dating somebody and he'll be like, oh my God, do you say this? to like everybody. And I'm like, yeah, because I'm incredibly selfish. And they're like, what? I'm like, I love the dopamine hit I get by seeing how excited they are. Right? Yeah. There's a woman, an older woman walking in with her daughter at prom, you know, happened recently. And they were walking into the restaurant. And the mother was dressed beautifully with the father. And the daughter looked gorgeous. And we walked by and I said to the, to the mother, because she had a beautiful dress. And I said, you look beautiful. And she said, mm. she does, doesn't she? And I said, no, I said, you look beautiful. Mm. And she started to cry. She was like, do you know, in front of her husband, she said, do you know how long it's been since somebody has told me that I look beautiful? Because right, once you have children, right, it's all about them, the attention yeah. on them. Like this is her special day. You know what? You dressed up, you look beautiful, you put the effort in as well, and you're not yeah. to be forgotten. Sister, I salute you for the work <laughs> you're doing in the world. You are just uh, such a good And I'm also a shit too. I mean, right? like, same, same. I, you know, I mean, Right? Like I'm also terrible. I also sit in my underwear and watch Vanderpump rules every week and yell at the screen. And I'm like, you idiot! Right? As I'm dripping chocolate on my belly. So, you know. Listen, we are multi faceted human beings. Oh my gosh. Don't even, we, if we can do an entire episode on Vanderpump Rules, you guys, I'm here for it. I am in it. Like, I've never been in anything. It's an whole emotional thing going on. I'm in therapy, you guys. It's fine. Don't worry. She'll handle this. But um, we don't have to go there. But, um, you know, I I say on you know, my episode of, like, allow your shithead is I often will get on an, after a whole day of being with my clients and being my best self, right? Which I, I love working with my clients, but I'm my best self. When I'm with my clients and then, you know, I leave and then, you know, there's, there's just shitheadness that is like built up, right? Get out. And I get out with my girlfriends, right? And I'm like, that person cut me on this and this bitch, you know what she said? And then inevitably there'll be somebody I don't know at the table. I'm sure this happens to you guys as therapists and we'll be talking and I'll say something about clients. And I'll be like, Oh, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, I'm a life coach <laughs> <laughs> called three women a cunt. Like you know, it's been four minutes. I don't have any water yet. Chips aren't even eaten. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm a life coach. Like, oh Jesus. But you know, human beings. See, we exist today. I, we, I, 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 I love it. And like real talk. Show. I was sad about something like a week ago and Vanessa and I were sitting by the pool. I don't even remember what you said, but something like catty. <laughs> and I was like, God, yes. babe, I love you so much. I needed that right now. <laughs> yes. like, I'm not going to go to like the spiritual higher self place. Actually, this is what's going to be really. She's like, no, this. man, that's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of my best friends who's this like renowned therapist, a top of her class and what she does. And I'll get on the phone with her and she'll be like, okay, okay, okay. But do you need like, 
good me or do you need like mm, that bitch sucks i was like oh i need that bitch sucks like i need the writer die yeah. like well she's yeah. clearly just a bad person yeah. when really it's probably my childhood trauma you know coming up and rearing its ugly head but um yeah you know i just push those mother wounds right down and i'm fine <laughs> and that people is what is called friendship yes that's right Multifaceted. yes oh uh, well rochelle i feel like we could keep you forever you might have to come back on and talk to us some yes. more about vanderpump rules but, oh um. god scandal <laughs> oh my god yeah I'm, i love I'm here the for humor. it oh my gosh i'm crying <laughs> because i think okay. mental health doesn't always have to be serious right 100%. laughter is so much of the best medicine it's so, just as healing yeah. right if not more yeah, yeah. i I love when my clients, and I do this very sparingly, but I love when my clients are like in the moment of like, they're like, not necessarily in the, the trauma, but in their pain. I just go, wow, I've never heard of anybody with a worse life than you. And they're like, oh my God, and we both just like crack up laughing because it's just like sometimes you just have to be like, I am the pit of despair. And yep, I have the worst life. Yep. yep. My life coach told me, I've never seen anything like this. Okay. And we just have to laugh about it. I agree. That's right. Mm. Okay. Well, Rochelle, we have a lightning round of questions that we ask all our guests. Um, oh, yay. <laughs> the first one is, who have been your greatest teachers, mentors, or people that have impacted your journey up to this point? Ooh, um, I would say uh, Oprah in one single thing that she said, which is, mm -hmm. I decided not to be a mother because what people give to their children, I choose to give to the world. Girl. Oof. That has set me on the course. I know, brings tears to my eyes. That has set me on the course that I'm on. Um, and I would say, uh, people that I think are doing it wrong actually mm -hmm. inspire me, right? Uh, sometimes my own anger at how people are doing it. So I don't want to mention those people, but, um, that anger fuels me to get up and say, that's not okay. That's not acceptable. I'm doing it different and Ooh, louder. Same. <laughs> no one's ever articulated like that, but thank you for articulating it like yeah. that. Cause I've always struggled to say, like, what is it about that that, like, not sucks me in, but sometimes I'm like, no, but this anger is so important because it is what gets me fired up to then go out and do it differently or go out and try to mm. change the world or the system, right? It's it's not necessarily through all like the love and light feelings. For me, a lot of times it is through that like rage, like fuck this. Yeah, yeah. that feminine rage is really yeah. important. I think that's what changes the world, mm, right? Great. So yeah, I love mine. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So the second question is around this concept of flow. So I guess really like what is flow for you? How do you understand that concept? What does it show up as for you? Right? Like what is flow? Yeah. So flow, because I'm so much into the somatics, the work of being able to find things in your body. So I work really hard on trusting my intuition. And, and when I, when I just know something and then it goes right, where did I feel that in my body? And mm -hmm. so my knowing feels like a, um, because I love the witchy selenite, like a little selenite rod, for those of you who don't know, just like a clear crystal rod down the center of my body of heat and strength. And when mm -hmm. I feel that, I know I'm in my flow, I'm in my truth, and it doesn't have to be anybody else's truth, because everybody else's truth is wrong but mine. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have to be anybody else's truth, but this is my truth, and I always yeah. die on that hill. Mm -hmm. That's how I know. Love it. And what breaks your heart? What breaks my part, my heart, what breaks my heart apart is people believing that they're alone, mm -hmm. alone in what they're feeling, alone in the world and alone in their suffering. That's what gets me to get up every morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. And when I don't want to get on social media and I don't want to do the thing, I'm like, mm. but if I can hit that one person that said, 
I thought I was alone until you said that thing. Mm -hmm. Love that. And then the final question, what is your favorite food? Oh, um, my favorite food. That is a great question. It's, um, you may have seen it. It's this like granular, um, white stuff. I think they call it sugar. Um, and I'm not particular about it in most forms, um, in its true nature form, in its uh, Dorito-laced form, in its, um, yeah, malt form, any form it comes in. I'm not choosy. I'm just grateful. <laughs> all oh the sugar all the time. <laughs> all the sugar, all the things. And then I love that I get to then wear that sugar for years to come. And so it it's stays like, with me. Great. And that's really beautiful. <laughs> Like a cozy blanket. My ass is mostly the yeah, mostly the cake from my divorce that I bought myself. I'm like, yeah, you are still here with me. Yeah, we're doing this together, keeping you warm, taking this ass. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely, absolutely. I can sit on a bench so much longer than all my skinny friends. They're like, oh, isn't it hurting your butt? And I'm like, it will in four hours. I'll get back to you. Oh my gosh. Um, well, if it wasn't solidified before, the sugar did it. Rochelle, you are officially our people. We, I'm going to speak for me and say we are obsessed with you. And I know you travel a lot. If you ever come to LA, you have to let us buy you dinner because I feel yes. like we would We're have really crying so We're much for fun. eight years. So, yes, yeah. I'll have to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you um, so much, ladies. I'd love truly. to come back. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for, for being here and the work you're doing in the world. I just feel like you're having such a beautiful impact and so grateful mm-hmm. I found you. Yay. Thank you. Me yeah. too. Excellent. And Rochelle, tell our uh, people where they can find you. We'll put it in the show notes, but definitely just give it to them here too. Yeah. Um, RochelleIndra.com. Nice and easy, but also um, on TikTok and Instagram, Coach Rochelle Indra. It's a good way to, to get started and jump off from there. And then everything, of course, is in the link tree. Cool. Yeah. Nice. Thank you, Rochelle. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and give us a five-star review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us more, find us on Instagram at Cheaper Than Therapy, the podcast. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. 
Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 